Welcome back. This is part two of Albania and one of the deep, one of life's deepest laws. And thank you for returning and welcome back. So we taught, we touched on a whole bunch of things. And what I wanted to continue with is your oldest, Jaden. So he's there. You're through this. Was he brave enough seeing you go through something like this? Does he ask you if you're okay? And if he did, what did you tell him? God, now I'm really emotional. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, my baby Jaden. <laughs> now, even if he didn't, even if he didn't, which it may look like he did, but if he didn't, what insight did you give him later on? But if he did, please um, let us know. Oh, Jaden, Jaden, let me tell you about him. He, he's a strong little boy. He was only four years old, but he understood, which was crazy, what was happening. He would just be quiet. He felt like I was fragile. He was worried about me because I was in the hospital for about an entire month. And that was, an, that was a, one of the biggest stressors for me is like, Who's watching my baby? Mm. He needs me. Jaden, for those for anybody that's listening that does knows him, at that age, he was just always out of control. He was receiving early intervention. Um, he loved to throw tantrums, and it was his way or the highway. And not everyone understood his needs. So I felt that I was letting him down. So when... Um, when Jose used to bring him to the hospital, I try to keep like a good, good spirit, like, and explain to him and come hear the, hear the baby. Cause they will put the machine sometimes. So he was able to hear the baby. He would give him a kiss. Um, I actually had a picture of him like laying on top of the belly. He understood. He knew he was having a sister and a brother. Um, so he was, he was happy. He was expecting that. So that was something that to me, I needed to continue to fight for so that I wouldn't let him down. Right. So when he was able to um, see me, I try to make him reassure him that things were going to be okay mm-hmm. and just make sure that he was okay. So thankfully, um, his godmother, who lived right above us, um, she helped me so much, her and my 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 cousins from you know from that side of the family were very supportive and making sure that Jose received the help his parents my mom so it was um everyone helped with Jaden which was something that gave gave me some ease but knowing that he was there and was probably confused was always in the back of my head like how can i help how can I make sure that he understands that if something bad happens, he's going to be okay right. and that everybody's going to be okay. Right. Okay. But now that I think about it, I just when I realized that Jaden was that strength that I needed to make sure that I continue to keep going no matter what the outcome was. Because I still had him. And it was funny how some people say like, oh, you love Jaden more than the girls. I was like, I don't know. I just felt 
like he gave me what I needed in order to survive. And I always say he, he didn't leave, he didn't let me down. He didn't die. I always said that. Mm-hmm. Even though Kylie and Jasmine, you know, it's a different situation, but I felt that losing my twins, like it was a huge letdown. And Jaden didn't. So I kind of like kind of worship him a little bit because of that. Mm-hmm. But not letting me suffer that pain. Right. When he you know, with him. No, that's 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 and uh, that's amazing. And you know, he's a tough little kid. You know. Now with every person it's different. We're here to give different helpful perspectives. So that being said, and with you mentioned you were in uh, group counseling and hearing others what they go through and someone's on the outside looking in that has no, and with someone that's, yeah, with someone that's on the outside looking in, you know, has no clue of your emotions and what you guys are going through, um, especially on your side and the force of your heart dealing with so much pain. What can the a person listening, you know, can do and say to be there for someone going through this journey? You know, we're touching on, retouching on that, but from your perspective, how can they approach somebody? Not ignore them and say, hey, when they when they come out of it, then I'll, I'll talk with them. It may be too painful. Maybe they don't want to see anybody. But mm-hmm. from what I've been through in certain situations, sometimes you feel that need, like, why don't people say something? They're ignoring me, you, if you've ever felt that way. But if... How would you love for somebody to approach you going through that? And have you thought about that? Like if somebody will come to me, this would be the best way to approach somebody going through this. Well, that that's a very good question because it actually depends on the person. There are people that don't like to speak about it, even though it, they're going through it. Mm-hmm. So they themselves try to um, suppress the memory. Um, some other people are very vocal and they need that attention. It all depends on the person. To me, at that moment, I felt that I needed people just to be near me. I was afraid to be alone. I didn't want to talk about it, but I wanted people to accept that if I do speak about it or mention them, that it's okay, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. So for instance, when I went back to work, um, I remember my principal at the time, she asked, how can I make your returning back to work possible, like comfortable? Mm-hmm. So first there was another teacher pregnant at the time that I was pregnant. Um, but she was definitely due before me. So I actually waited until she went on maternity leave so I could return. Cause I know that seeing her pregnant while we both pregnant was going to be a huge trigger. I knew what my triggers were going to be. So I was prepared to deal with some of them. Uh, when, and I said to them, like to my principal and my assistant principal at the time, all I need is people to act normal. I, I'm a, I'm a very strong individual. Um, I don't like pity. I don't like to give pity to other people because that doesn't help. I need people to help me get up. So 
if you can continue to act the same way that you've acted with me prior to me losing my babies, you were doing amazing for me. You were doing exactly what I needed at that moment. I just didn't want people to feel sorry for me. So that was like, I think one of my biggest fear because I they're, they're, don't, don't feel sorry for me. I have two angels in heaven. Do you? That's kind of the thing that I felt like mm. saying sometimes, like <laughs> I didn't lose anything. I actually gained two angels. Right. I needed to continue telling myself that so I could be okay. It may not be like what everybody thinks because people grieve differently. But for me, it's like, you have to look at something from another point of view if you want to heal. Right. And I wanted to heal. I knew there was me crying and suffering for days was not going to change the fact that they were gone. Like that wouldn't, they were not going to come back. Right. So I had to talk to myself and be like, what are you going to do? Are you going to let it destroy you? Are you going to just give up? In my head, you know, I'm, at that moment, I'm like, I'm young. I know I can, I know I can have more kids. I know I can, I can build the strength. So to me at that moment, it was important for me to figure out how I build the strength. I hated being alone because I, I was afraid of falling back into the crying and depressed state. I was eating so much candy. Lord, me and my husband <laughs> found a bag of candy and it was over. And that was depression. Mm. We were very depressed. I went through, I think, every stage of grief. Um, cause definitely anger, but, um, I didn't, I just want to make sure that I found a way. I tried different methods, found the best way for me to be able to get up and keep it moving. So going back to work helped so much cause I was distracted. I didn't have time to even think at that moment. It was like, you can't let your students down. <laughs> They're still counting on you. Right. I still had an AP exam that was coming up two months from that day that I returned and they needed me. My students were so happy to see me. They all knew. I had a little group of, of kids that were very close to me, and they used to contact me, and and I used to text them. And while I was in the hospital, and all they wanted was for me to be okay, mm -hmm. and I felt the need to do that. So I made sure that, um, you know, I I did what was best for me at that moment, and and it worked. And I said, I'm going to seek help um, because this pain is was too much. We didn't have anybody to talk to about it because people didn't want to talk to you about it. I had the babies. It was a nice picture. I had a picture of the babies and um, that was made. It was clear. like the, It was a company that makes it very clear. They, they look really cute. They don't even look like they just came out of the womb. Mm -hmm. And I had it as a screensaver. And someone saw it and it was like, why do you do that to yourself? I'm like... How can you say that in my head? Mm -hmm. He's one of my best friends now, but still, he didn't have to say that <laughs> at that time because I'm like, this is what I need. He I was knew. never aware. He was never aware. Yeah. You can't see it from your position. Yeah, he didn't. He just felt like me having, even talking about it, was, it, was me bringing myself down even more. Mm. Now, you mentioned um, triggers, and that's very interesting. Um, can you touch on these triggers that would put you in any sort of um, feeling wise. I don't want to say in a negative feeling, but would just get to you, whether it's annoyance or anger or whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can see 
if those triggers, you know, people can relate to maybe they're universal, maybe yeah. they're just specific to you. And regardless, if it's a trigger and people know how you dealt with it, um, could be, you know, very helpful. Yeah, I, I experienced, there were things that I didn't even think were triggers and they became triggers. Mm. So even people mentioning, even in social media saying like, oh, announcing their pregnancy, <sighs> especially because I was trying that it, it, it would hurt me. I would cry and it'd be like, then I want to try harder. And I, I don't even know how. Gender reveals? Um, At that moment, gender reveals, no, twins oh. did. Oh. Twins was one of the oh. biggest. Of course. Anybody who had twins. And I had a, a friend uh, um, who was pregnant with twins. And she delivered them, I believe, that January of that year. And I had a very, very close friend, um, my friend Damaris, who was pregnant. Also, she gave birth in, in June, but she, she wasn't having twins. But it was cool that me and her were pregnant at the same time. We were high school friends. So it was like, yay. And I remember that I had to go to her, ba her baby shower. And I couldn't, but I, went, I wanted to be there for her so badly. Then I went and I took a gift or a card and I told her she completely understood. So that was very helpful because some people knew and understood that it wasn't me being mean, um, but I just needed to stay away with anything that kind of caused me a lot of pain. One, one thing that really like impacted me and Jose was uh, my sister's friend, Jackie who was pregnant, I believe after, yeah, maybe a year or two after my twins. And she named her baby Christian Antonio. Oh, my me and Jose saw that post. It's like, and we love her dearly. We love the baby of his son. No, of course, boys. of course. But it was like, that was our baby name too. And it was like, it reminds us. Same middle name? Yeah, same middle name. Really? Wow. Same middle name. So that was. And of course, was, how could she know? She didn't know, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. I think the baby's named after the father, and I believe the grandfather is Antonio. Some something like in those lines. So definitely nothing that had to do with my baby. But it was like, oh, I wish that I could have my baby and had baptized him under that name. Even though we did the little baptism in the hospital before, right? They took them, but I just wanted my baby. So that was a big trigger. But other than that, I think the twins. People being pregnant with twins was a huge trigger. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, I had former alumni in my Facebook alumni page. And I believe I had like two or three overall so far that had twins, one of them triplets. So it was like, wow, what a blessing. Right. And I just wish that I can be like, oh, you're so blessed. So they, they can know how blessed they are for having given the chance to actually bring your babies. Now, do you... Dealing with those triggers, does it go from a boil to a simmer and then just let it go with time? Or you have any sort of techniques that you learn to basically get it under control a little quicker? What do you what do you do? Yeah, when I have um when I have those triggers, I I speak. I talk to I talk to Jose about it. Like he also Whenever he has a moment that has to do with the twins, we kind of made it our business to make sure that we let it out. Mm. We do not <laughs> bottle it up and just Very be like, like we cannot talk about it. 
And sometimes he used to call me crying constantly, like randomly. One time he woke up having a dream, a dream with the twins and with his uncle and seeing them. And I felt jealous because I wanted to see them too. Mm. So it was just like, ugh. but it's all about being able to connect with someone about it and it'd be okay. Right. I have friends that definitely care, but it's something that there is a thing that if you've never been through it, you may not be able to say the right words. Or And sometimes there's nothing to say. Right. People don't know that you're, all you got to do is sit there quietly and listen. Right. I don't need you to say I'm sorry to hear that. Or no. Right. Because all I want you to do is listen. That's why when I say therapy... It's all about listening. People don't people don't go to therapy to find the answer. And if they do, they're crazy for doing that. Because there's nobody that can tell you how to fix yourself right. but your own self. Right. It's all about you listening to your own self when you talk. So I was like, I, say, I could talk to the mirror and talk to myself. And when you let it out, even if it's something that makes no sense, sense, you will say to yourself, like, why do I think like that? <laughs> and you can start analyzing yourself. Right. So you go to therapy to see, hear another perspective of things, but they can't tell you what to do. Right. All right. No therapist should actually, because God forbid something goes wrong. And then it's like, you know, so I watch a lot of Law and Order. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Law and Order. <laughs> Shout out to Law and Order. But I try to make sure that I found the help and the ability to speak. So now when I teach, so I teach psychology and I make sure that in experiences that, that comes with the topic, I mention. So I was pregnant with twins. You hear that. You know, you could see the silent. I feel like you could see the silent <laughs> because they don't know what to say, especially they're all high school kids, right. 14, 15 year olds. They don't know to say sorry. And and some people do say the kids be saying, I'm sorry, miss. I'm like, yeah, so I was like, no, it's fine. I don't want to say it's fine uh -huh. because it's not fine, but it's fine that I, I'm okay. And I tell him that yeah. I'm okay. I'm I'm fine because now I can speak about it. Oh, no, that, that's hood speak. When you say, <laughs> hey, how you doing? You're like, I'm good. I'm good means I'm fine. When you say I'm fine, it's like, oh, I saw it on the comedy special. It's like, yeah. oh, when I'm fine, it's like, no, I'm not good, but let's not exchange details. Yeah, let's not, <laughs> let's not go in, de in depth yeah. with this. But so that helps. Like now I've been able to integrate my experience into my lessons and knowing how to um be okay mm. and I say and I and I speak about them proudly and I say my babies and my twins mm. and they do this in heaven they're they're probably chilling they so me talking about them like it's, if I know them helps right it's not that I'm saying that I'm talking to them <laughs> like they're next to me, but I, I, I feel like I'm going to see them. I know I'm going to see them again. And I, and that's always my favorite line to say, till we meet again. And we will. It's good. It's very, very good. Now, when, and we've, we, we touch on a lot of things I'm going to ask in little moments, but I want to, you know, hopefully, dissect this or go into a little bit deeper from when you did touch on it, but when did you start to feel a sort of upswing in your emotions and your state of mind that gave you a more stable footing, knowing that movement is life, 
And if you stay stuck, it would be good for no one. Um, after I had Kylie, I can basically say that it there was a change in me after her, especially because I've then realized that I can take a baby to turn. Like it is doable. No, even during her enti- the entire pregnancy with her, I was going through high risk issues. Like my my uterine lining was thinning and my cervix was getting smaller. All these other stuff, even though they did the cerclage. Mm-hmm. So cerclage is a stitching that they do on the cervix. Right. Um, but after 17 weeks to make sure that, you know, the baby, it holds strong for the baby. Um, so after that, I felt, after she was born, I felt like, okay, I can do this. This is doable. I wasn't planning on having any more children. I wanted to, I kind of focused a lot of, of the twins in her. Like her name is Kylie Christine, obviously, as mm-hmm. Kayla and Christian. Um, so I named them after her. Everything was about her being the rainbow baby. Mm-hmm. So I saw her as a fresh start to my life. Um, I wanted her to be, um, and, and you know, it's not good to see it that way, but I wanted her to be what they were supposed to be. But it's your process. So, yes. It was my way for me to be yeah. okay that they're not here. So I felt like they're living through her. But there were so many times I'd be like, oh, probably Kayla was like this. And Christian was like that. <laughs> and things that she did. So until I finally um, started realizing, you know, it's okay. <laughs> you know, they sent her to me. But she is her own self. So it took a little while for me to feel that way. Um, I was very happy having um, Jaden and Kylie now. And then, boom, Kylie was six months. And I was pregnant again. (laughs) Felt like a whole statistic. But (laughs) it was a complete surprise. surprise. (laughs) I didn't think that was going to happen. And that moment. I saw this was a miracle. And I'm not going to lie. I felt God was returning my babies Mm. to me um, through Kylie and Jasmine. At that time, I didn't know Jasmine was a girl. Um, But I felt that now I was able to fight the the pain that I was feeling and be stronger than ever. Now I knew I could keep a baby going for it. All 39 weeks. Kylie was born at 39 weeks. Oh, she was to, rocking out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was in, it was a whole induced pregnancy after that. So everything worked well. Thank God. Um, so you had, you had to get them out of you. Yes. <laughs> yes. After I, every week, I was desperate to make sure I made it another week. I made it another week. There's always a, a strength in the mm-hmm. baby after week by week. Yes. So as soon as I made it to 39 weeks and she said we could induce. I said, let's go. Um, I did want her to be born before my birthday because she was due on my birthday. Mm. So it kind of worked out very well. Um, so it, it helped. In the time that, you know, being pregnant with Jasmine, I said, I'm going to be me. I am going to enjoy this pregnancy. Not that I didn't care that what will happen with Jasmine, I said, but I, now I know I have the ability. So I was able to work. I was able to eat. I was, I was, I have followed a more healthier um, eating regimen at that time because I used to be working out. 
And then by the time that I continue going to the gym, just being safe, communicating with the doctor, since I was already going to the gym, I, it wasn't something that was um, prevented. They did say I had to get, again, a stitching just to make sure that things remain fine. Right. And I had to go back every week to get my progesterone shots to make sure that my cervix lining remains strong. Um, and that's when I realized I was over the idea of having any more babies after Jasmine mm. because it was just so much work to be oh, pregnant. No, yeah, <laughs> we, we are a part of the three kid club. <laughs> and oof, yeah, yeah. I, I love my kids, but I tell people, Slow it down. Slow it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's some guilt that you kind of feel, too, because even though I felt happy that now my family is growing and all that, mm. but I have people that depend on me. Yeah. That because I had this baby um, before the other one, the other one just turned one. Now I'm taking away things from her, so I felt that guilt. And Jaden now over here, a poor kid, <laughs> and dealing with two kids, so you know and my job was another thing that made me feel, I felt guilty. I felt my mm. students, I was letting my students down. So everything I, like every decision I've made in terms of having babies or having another one, it basically related onto like me making sure that I was going to be okay. I knew right. that I, it stressed me out not going to work and letting people down. I said, I can't have no more kids. <laughs> I, you know, the DOE is very generous now, but. Yeah. It's not about taking time off or getting paid for being home. It's about people that still count on you. And I did one of my kids. I have my three. Mm -hmm. um, I love them. Worse can I even describe how much because they are my strength right now. Every day I said, mm, we got to keep it going, kids. <laughs> okay. Um, and I try to instill that in them so that they know it's not the end of the world when things go wrong. You were, you were avalanching into my next question because now we touched on lessons and mental exercises and if you have any more like what what strengthening lessons mental exercises physical exercises you adopted um that help you that might help others that they can consider well um i i haven't never tried the whole meditation I, I think I'm too busy mentally mm. and I haven't gotten the chance. Like I, I've tried in my school. We do this thing called brain power. Um, and we do it every Monday. It was, it is a mental and a physical mm. workout that we implement, that we had implemented during that time. Um, and we're actually doing it again now. And it was kind of relaxing, but I don't, I've never been able to follow a guide. Like I'm a person that works out daily, but I can never work out with a trainer. That's mm. not my style. I need to be in control of everything that I do for my own self. Right. And that has been the key. I, I realized I didn't have control of the survival of my twins. Um, my body had to decide what it wanted to do as much as I wanted. And after that, I said, no, I'm having control moving forward of everything. Mm -hmm. And I became a control freak when it comes to my own feelings and making sure that mentally I was okay. So I continue to do things that make me feel good. My biggest thing is working out. I've been uh, 
gym rat size, I think since I was 17. And I've been very passionate about being physically fit. It's not about weight loss only because mm-hmm. there is some aspects of weight loss you want right. to maintain, especially because you know your genetics. And it's not about meeting the expectations of someone else. Right. I am my own, like I say, competition. I am the own person that I want to please because at the end of the day, I want to feel good. So I continue to do my workouts while being pregnant with Jasmine. And even after that, because that was my moment of, for me. So that was, that was the important thing is keeping, making sure that my mental health at that moment was doing something that brought me pleasure until this day. Thankfully, that has been my go-to. And you've the mental, not the mental, the medical clearance to work out and all that type of stuff. It's not just, you just rolled into it and like, "Ah, everything's okay. No, no, I definitely made sure I waited um, with Kylie. With Jasmine, I did it. I'm not going to lie. And people, <laughs> please listen to your doctors. They say stay home. I went to my job like two weeks later. And oh my God, walking up four flights of stairs, I swore my back was going. I, I thought I was paralyzed. I couldn't mm. move out of chair. So there is some impact in that. And I did try to go to the gym. And it was because I wanted to keep some sort of normalcy. I was overwhelmed at that moment thinking I have three kids. Like, my life is over. Like, I have no, (laughs) there's no way that I can do this again. And actually, it worked out. I did, you know, take it easy. I did just a treadmill, trying to make myself uh, feel normal. Mm -hmm. And that helped. It's all about making, I'm sure that I didn't change a routine. And that things were still good with me, right? At that moment. Okay. Now, have have you adopted any mantras to keep you grounded and know that things will continue to be okay or as okay as they can be? Well, that this too shall pass. That is something that was harsh at that moment, mm. but the most real words ever. This too shall pass. Every time something's going wrong that I feel like, oh, why? It's going to pass because nothing lasts forever. True. <laughs> so I, it, it really gave me the strength to continue. I know that I can get over it. It's going to take time. Um, it may be something that I may need to seek help for or maybe something that I may have to ignore and come back to it right. later on because that's another way that I have you know, approached things. But you, I always have to have a clear mind. I don't dwell on things. I don't have a group, a big group of friends because I learned not to take other people's feelings and make them my own. I am a very caring person. I love anyone. My students are my world. I say that all the time. Like I love teaching. I love making sure I make a difference. So I know that there are people out there that still depend on me. So I have to make sure that everything that I go through, I can deal with it. Um, continue doing my, what, what I do is continue doing my workout, right. find what makes me happy. Okay. What brings me satisfaction and focus on that. And that's what I do. I focus on my kids. I got them in different activities and different sports and it helps. It makes seeing them happy makes me happy. Um, so because at this point I live, people say, yeah, you live for, for your kids forever. I'm like, no, and now I want it. 
I want to see a purpose for what I've done in life. Right. I continue to work hard. I continue to go to school just because I want to set that example and make them feel proud of me and for them to continue to follow that when they grow older. So I keep going so they know that they have to keep going in life. You know, you find yeah. what you can do to help yourself, but you don't quit. True words, true words. Now, the the support, you know, was and is and, you know, must have been tremendous. What stands out to you after reflecting with a clear mind on the whole event um, of your journey? What what stands out from everything that we may or may not have? If we If we touched on it, please go deeper into it. And if we haven't, then what's one of the things that stands out? I mean, I feel like the thing that really stands out for me is how strong that experience actually made me. I didn't think I had the strength to keep going. And until this day, it impacts everything I do. I, like I mentioned, I don't quit. Mm -hmm. I don't let anybody bring me down. In terms of like, if they have lower expectations that I'm going to like fall into the self-fulfilling prophecy, that doesn't happen. What's self-fulfilling prophecy? So the self-fulfilling prophecy is the belief that people have of you and you make them true. So if people think I'm going to fail at something that all of a sudden I start either mm, doing gotcha. worse because of people's beliefs. Gotcha. So no, I actually think sometimes of a reverse psychology aspect <laughs> of that, where I love to prove more to myself than I can. Mm-hmm. I learn to do things for me and mine in terms of making sure that I continue and feel proud of what I'm doing and who I am. I hear so many people say, oh, my God, how do you do it with three kids and all of that? And even though I I, I kind of like feel um, flattered that they say those things to me, it's like a little kind of I, I get like a little um, bashful when I hear it. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not doing it for the attention. I'm doing it to feel that I can keep going. Right. That what I've done in life matters. So I keep going in my education. It's because I want to make sure that my kids have something. That they know that their mom never gave up. Mm-hmm. I never gave up on my twins. They decided they couldn't hold on anymore. I cannot give up in life. I can't give up. People tell me, you just need to slow down. And I understand people's concerns, but I feel like I can tell myself. There's a lot of people that count on me, my job the most. And I don't want to let them down. I don't like to let people down because I feel like if I can do something for you, I want to be there for you. Right. I want to help you. And my community, which is where my school is located, you know, I've been there all my all these years. They've never let me down. So I don't want to let them down. I've been there since I started being a teacher. It all mattered. So every time something bad happens, I figure it out. And I always say that I'm gonna figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I, I I'm I'm very strong. I don't quit. I'm very independent. I don't need anyone I'm married, of course. I, Jose knows I don't need him in order for me to survive. And that to me is like extremely important. 
because I see people um, just, you know, so many times in female fall into that cultural aspect of like, yeah, let um, somebody else, your family is going to take care of you. Your mom, your father, your husband. I said, no, I want to tell myself that I can take care of myself. But now was it a dis with that part of it? And that rolls into my next question. But with before I, I, I ask, does that touch into it may with somebody listening, it may feel a little harsh. But was it a conversation of, no, I don't need you, but I want you here. There's a difference. Yes. And you, he there knows. was a discussion of that. Absolutely. And yeah. he knows I want you here. <laughs> Of course, <laughs> he knows very well, but, um, God forbid something ever happens to him. Mm -hmm. I need him to also know that I'm okay, that we will be okay, that the kids are going to be okay. Right. And I'm sure he feels proud of that. Cause we have family members that we see that, you know, they either don't work or they are, um, gave up on their own careers, um, to become either housewife or to become dependent of someone else. And you always wonder, like, so what happens if that person and you, so it's all about making sure that the person that you're with, you want to be with them, not that you need to be with them. Right. And that's the thing with me and Jose. Okay. So he, just the same way he can do on, and sustain on his own. And, and so can I. We are here. The Our kids need us. Yeah. <laughs> and absolutely. that's. That's what those are the people that need to need us, but yeah. we can live for each other because then it becomes, if something goes wrong, we would become just accepting of whatever the person did just because I can't survive without that person. And I don't mm. want that to be the case. I want to yeah. be happy to be with you because I want you, I want to be able to say, I, you're here because I want you here, not because I need you to pay right. my rent <laughs> kind then, of thing. And you, you can both strengthen each other regardless yes. of the setup and how it is. Because even though if that's not the case, then it'll get to that. Yeah. You know, people need to realize that, that, you know, you can change the dynamic. You can work towards something that can make it even stronger regardless of the position. Because not everybody's in the same position. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is. But if you're yeah. not working towards it, if you're not busting your ass, if you're not killing yourself to get to that point, then yeah, it's, it's no change. But there's always stumbles along the way. Yeah. And when those stumbles happen, is that when you may have to evaluate your own relationship and wonder... Do I need to be with this person or do I want to be with this person? And the need and the want make a huge, like, yeah. like play a huge role at that moment. You because that decision, yeah. yeah, that decision right there, if you want, you love that person. If you need mm -hmm. that person, <laughs> it's basically saying, I'm just here with you because yeah. I need you. And then you always, you always have to identify the effort that the person makes, even if it's, and sort of effort that you're not familiar with or you may not agree with, but the efforts are there. It's sort of a, you know, yeah, they're trying, but are they, are they succeeding? Yeah. And accept them for their faults, but you know they're working for something greater, greater. together. Yeah, and, and people grow. Yeah. People, are, um, there's people always, do change. Yeah, people do change. Um, 
And it's always about the willpower between the couple. And I think that um, me being strong makes our relationship right a good relationship. And you've been strong for him. He's been strong for exactly. you. It goes both ways. We know that we can survive because he's very strong. He's a very strong person. And what we do for each other and how we are with each other is basically to ensure that we're both okay and that our family is okay. Right. He's not making sure that I'm always okay and not worrying about himself mm-hmm. um, because he knows that I don't depend on him. He, We mutually yeah. take care of each other. And if that person is your sounding board, even to a certain extent, may sound bad, but I guess a... I don't know how else to explain it, but like to a, a lightly, a light punching bag in a sense, verbally, mm-hmm. because a person needs to get it out. And if they can't, you know, if they can't get it out with someone else or in a certain method, or they can't really self decompress, they have to do it with that person that they love the most. Yeah. And people need to realize that like, okay, sometimes you can be harsh. But if the person can weather your storm to help you alleviate your stresses, and then you do come back, you do apologize, you know, that does make a world of difference to the other person. But you have people have to realize that when that happens, and most people would take offense to it, but if the person comes back and and there's a difference, there's a difference between someone being verbally abusive to someone releasing their stress. Mm-hmm. It's all about take, being hold, holding ourselves accountable for right. how we say and be able to say, because sometimes, yeah, we argue. Um, Everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> we get loud, but he's able to come. He, he does more than me, though. I'm not going to lie. He comes and say, you know, I, I apologize and all that. Because it takes, you know, I'm a little hard-headed and it takes me a little longer, <laughs> but I, sometimes... I always like to rationalize the reason why I do everything. And I, at least I, I know that I do that. <laughs> I need to stop. But, <laughs> but it's not that I'm not, I'm scared of admitting that I'm wrong, but um, I know that's something that happens, but we're able always to come back. And, and I think that's something that has made me stronger about our relationship as well. It's important. Um, that as long as he knows where I stand, I know where he stands and we can communicate. He says, I'm, I'm not a good person at communicating. And there are times that there I just be like, so what's the point of me saying it? Because it's not going to change. And I think having male friends has helped because I kind of start seeing the perspective of like, oh, it's not just him. It's everybody. <laughs> so one of my best friends, he he's he's my principal, but he's, he's, he's a male. He's been my friend for many, many years. Um, sometimes when I went out and he speak, I'm like, oh. It sounds just like what happens at home. So that kind of helps because okay. it's like you don't realize until you hear other people's perspective. So it kind of really is useful to have to see a male point of view. Yeah, that that and that makes that makes everything stronger. Mm-hmm. And that actually uh, answered my next question. Uh, but maybe you can expand on it. But like, how has this strengthened your relationships across the board in your life? Now we touched on you know, your marriage and then certain relationships with friends in your life. Is there any other relationships that this may have strengthened? 
you know, with going through what you've been through? Um, I believe more or less my relationship with my kids. Mm. Definitely. Especially with, with Jaden, I appreciated him so much more. So Jaden is, is, is a child that, as I mentioned, gives me a run for my money. And I had him with early intervention. I was getting him help. And I felt, why is it that he came out this way and he couldn't just be, you know, a kid that's quiet and sits down and watch TV. He's just all over the place. It made me appreciate, but at least he's here. Right. He is here. No matter how crazy I would take my twins, no matter how they came out, just for me to hold them and for them to be here. So I had to thank Jaden for not letting me down and for being here with me. Now, when my girls came, it's like my little rainbow, my little miracle. The joy, the joys of my life, basically. Um, and then, you know, I, I yell, I curse them out all the time. But, you know, I think my husband was the one who created the term F them kids. But. <laughs> but we mean that from the bottom of how we really do love them. I know there's a lot of people listening that internalize that, <laughs> Yo, but they love them all the same. Have <laughs> them kid, but I love you though. It's it's basically very, um, it was a huge eye opener of like how you should really appreciate those little lives that came in because the odds for them to be here were basically all against them. Mm. So they're here for a reason. Um, and they brought me peace. They brought me happiness. Um, and everybody that sees, I do anything and everything for my kids. It's not because I lacked something when I was growing up. I was, I'm always being a high achiever. and But I always wanted to make sure that they lived the dreams that they were either sent to this world for. Mm-hmm. And I like them to explore um, but I'm not a person that's going to just push them. Like, yeah, you got to do this because I said, no, I realized that definitely doesn't work. So whatever passion I see my kids moving towards, I'm there for them. Right. And I always have to make sure that I can be there. Um, lately, because I'm in school now, I struggle a little bit with attending Jaden, um, basketball games. And thank God I have a community of friends. Um, shout out to the grants and the Turners. <laughs> For always being there for Jaden and my girls. And they have definitely, definitely made a huge impact on helping me and Jose in, in ensuring that our kids were still good and doing whatever they had to do. Um, um, my other friends, I like I sometimes I think about her, my friend Genesis, is like she is the missing link of the Rosarios because she's like our for like we say that she's our sister that <laughs> from another mom because <laughs> her last name is also Rosario. Um, very very um, helpful. Um, I always try to keep my friends close, the ones that really listen to me and that um, still feel connected to me and my journeys. And even though she wasn't there with my twins, but she's always been there as a person that has listened to me. So I learned to value. Um, a friendship that in that way, I do my, you know, my every, people that know me know my best friend is Wendy, but me and her, um, we've been friends since sixth grade, but she has her own life and I do. And 
We still yeah. keep definitely keep in touch. We hang Natural. out, do that. Natural. Um, but you know, working with Genesis, I've gotten closer to her. But Wendy is still my best friend. <laughs> shout out to <laughs> Wendy. Shout out to my friend Wendy. <laughs> but definitely, I think that um, I learned to value people. My sisters, who were there for me during the entire painful moment, it was especially my oldest, mm-hmm. RG. She because my mom was in the art just the moment that it happened. So it was, she, she basically took on that mother role kind of like how she did when we were 10 years old, she was 10, I was eight and we came to this country and she was the one taking care of me and my little sister, Anna. Um, right. so they were all very, um, supportive. I, I, I think I needed family at that moment. I didn't want them to feel sorry for me. I wanted them to be there for me. And I remember RG just wanting to make sure that I was okay. I felt like she thought she was going to get in trouble with my mom if something happened to me. Because <laughs> she was definitely more concerned that I was going to be okay. Mm. Um, so I think those type of um, relationships definitely were impacted by this situation that I went right. through. But overall, I feel like I grew as a person. It made me who I am today. So... Um, it is hurtful, but I'm thankful because mm-hmm. maybe there was no other way for me to build this strength that I have now that I know that I can do it. I can keep going. No. The end only comes if you let it be the end. Absolutely. That's right. By giving up. And that was not even a choice for me. No, that's the wise words. And other than the loss and i don't even know like i have this question as it is and i know it's not going to seem that way but let's try and work on it but other than the loss what is a regret that you may reflect on after everything is said and done that may not be a regret but i mean take the question as it is like how how whatever way you want to explain it how you interpret it then you know it's please explain I I don't feel like I regret anything because I feel like I never gave up. I okay. felt like I kept going and I did as much as I could. I I educated as much uh as yeah, I educated myself very well. Right. Um the only thing that I can probably say is that I remember prior to knowing that they were twins, I did go to another clinic and all they did was like the urine and other little tests. And they did mention something about an infection, um, but I didn't even take it seriously or I didn't think about it at that moment as something, because they didn't either. They just said, oh, it's mm-hmm. something with, I, I don't remember what it was. I knew they, they saw something and since they didn't care for it, and I guess that was what developed into something bigger and then caused the pre-prom. Right. But pre-prom. Uh, is yeah, that a shortened that's word? the term that is used when you, you know go the, to full, the full word labor. for it. What's the full word for it? Um, if you know, premature rupture of your membranes. Okay. That's the prom part. Okay. So my membranes was the ones were ruptured. Okay. Wow, I actually remember that. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's great, and you know everything. You know, hits a lot, a lot of um 
things that are insanely helpful. I didn't know you were going through a lot of these things, but of course I'm removed, (laughs) you know, as you know, I'm with your sister. She was the one concerned with her. I, she is your older sister. So she felt a lot of weight on this and concern and sadness. So I had to be there for her. Mm. And I'm one of those type of people that if somebody's going through something, you know, I can't say much. You know, yeah, you and, just let them, just, yeah. you know, speak and you listen. Exactly. Um, is there um anything else you might want to add? Um, in reality, my goal with joining the podcast is because I'm tired of people thinking that they cannot speak about such a difficult and painful mm-hmm. um topic. It's not a taboo. When in reality, y'all. it is not. It is not a taboo. It's, it's even death is not a taboo right at this point. Nope. People heal by being heard. I felt I could have probably healed better if everyone around me was able to listen and be okay. I, I know it's impossible, but I didn't want to worry about them. Right. So. I felt that if I even spoke about it, that was going to happen. Then I got to worry about how you're feeling and that you're probably feeling pity. So and to avoid all of that, I was okay with not speaking about it. But it angers me that there's still people out there that experience um, loss or that they are pregnant and they cannot even share with the world because then if they lose this baby, um, God forbid something happens, then they have to share with the world about their miscarriage as well. And some people are not prepared or strong enough to to know how to speak about it um, at the moment or to understand that, hey, this person just went through a very traumatic experience. They may not want to talk about it at this moment. Um, all you have to be there is sit next to them and be like, I'm here for you. Right. That's basically all people need. Just be there for them. The more you make it a taboo, the more painful it is. Right. People want to express their anger. They don't want to feel alone. They don't want to feel alone. And the more you try to suppress the feeling and try to block it out of their mind or distract it, the more painful it actually is. Those comments of like, um, everything happens for a reason. Oh my God, I hate that one. (laughs) No, there's no reason. I'm in that same boat. Or it is what it is. Or yes. Uh, like, no, you're uh, gonna have another one. No. <laughs> when you pay for it. That's what I yes. tell people. You pay for you pay for it. They tell me when you're gonna have the girl. I got three boys. So you know what? When you pay for them from zero to eighteen years, <laughs> I will do my best to have another child. Yeah, they don't know. It's a struggle. <laughs> it Having is. kids is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't change it for the world to be a mom. Being being a mom is like my number one thing. I love, love, love my kids. Um, I love my angels in heaven. And I know and I learned that in order for me to be there for all of them, I need to be strong. Right. Yes, I am definitely damaged beyond what you guys can know. But I'm not going to let that bring me down. Wise words. And we acknowledgements i know you mentioned that well one i want to acknowledge because you've you've uh been with lawrence hospital so have i i had all my three kids there lawrence hospital is in bronxville in westchester county 
amazing hospital. Yes. You know, great. We great staff you know, went there for a particular reason that because it is so good. Um, no sponsorship or anything like that, but yeah. you know, it's just giving them a shout out. They definitely treat you well. The stuff mm-hmm. is, is, is awesome. The, the, the teddy bear place. That you mentioned. Molly's Bears. How do you how do you spell the Molly's? M O L L Y S Bears. Um, you go into their website. It is the place that would definitely bring a little bit of joy to these moms. You search up Molly's Bears, and you will see the amazing work they do. They create these um, using their own money, or they or you have to pay for shipping. Um, you give them all the details of your baby. And let me tell you, the moment you receive that little teddy bear, you feel that you have received a piece of your stillborn baby. So mm. I highly recommend them. Okay, shout out to them. I'll do my best to tag them on IG, make um, everyone aware of them so that that can be disseminated to anybody who you feel has gone through this. Um, any other acknowledgments before we go? Um, I definitely want to acknowledge um, my husband, Ojo. Thank you so much. What up? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for always being here for me and being my rock with everything that I go through, everything I put you through. And I know I don't take care of my car and my gas is, <laughs> my car never got gas and you complaining and the kids eating the car. I know, babe, I'm sorry, but I love you. Um, thank you for helping me get through that pain and and my three you know thank you for the three little kids we have now and you know we love them right especially jay right (laughs) um my sisters it took us a while to get to the place that we're at now where we um we definitely understand each other it's a blessing so um it brings me a lot of joy and happiness that we're here and thank you for this opportunity to Tell the world that it's okay. Thank you. If you are damaged, <laughs> because you can always help somebody else by sharing your story. That's that's what, and thank you, and that's what I'm here for. You know, um, you know, I said this before with um, Anna's podcast, Anna's episode. You know, which from my intro, it's you know, I want to be the table that provides the lessons that can help somebody pick and choose what can help them because uh, I can't, I'm not a therapist. I'm not, I'm just a person with um, introspective that hopefully I've helped people before in the past directly or indirectly. I want to continue to do that um, whether they know what I've gone through or not. And you coming here is a blessing helping me further move that, you know, step-by-step to where I would love it to go. And thank you very much. So this wraps up part two. Thank you everyone for listening. FYI, I am damaged. Damaged. Peace people. Love you all. Bye.